0: Coming up on this episode of Inside the Oscars.
1: There's a lot on the line. and I think we're all fascinated to see how it's all going to happen.
0: Hollywood's biggest night is right around the corner. And we have everything you need to know before showtime. I think that he is one of the best actors of our time right now. Our crack team of entertainment insiders is gonna break down all the major categories and yeah, they don't always see eye to eye. Whoa,
1: shots fired,
2: wow. (laughs) That's what makes it fun. I like going to movies with people who I disagree with. That's the most fun.
0: Plus, is it possible? Could we actually see a tie? I didn't even know that was a thing. There have been six in history. Does it say both their names on each of the Oscar statues? <laughs> like, oh, you, by the way, you only tied. So. <laughs> hey, everybody, Ginger Z here, and this is our last episode. Can't believe it before the big night. It's right around the corner Okay, don't worry It's not actually the last episode We're going to be back the day After the Oscars To break it all down We can't, we can't not do that But first we do want to make sure You are really prepared Because let's face it It is more fun to watch Any competition When you know the stakes Like who's our favorites Who's an underdog We're going to cover it all, and I've got the best experts in this podcast. You're going to hear them all together now. ABC News Entertainment contributor Chris Connolly, Senior Entertainment Writer for The Undefeated Kelly Carter, ABC News Radio Entertainment Correspondent Jason Nathanson, and my friend ABC News Correspondent Janae Norman. Hey, y'all. Howdy. Hey. Hello. Hey. I am so looking forward to this, Chris. You know I wanted to do this podcast solely because I'm a super nerd, and I wanted to know the inner workings of how the Oscars work, but especially this year. So now that you've spoken to the producers, two of them, do you have a better sense of what we're going to see?
1: Yeah, no, I think I'm as fascinated as you are to watch what this show is going to look like. Certainly the three words they stressed when we talked safety, intimacy, and community. This is a hmm. this is a, a brave leap forward. Steven Soderbergh says it literally is like flying a plane while you're building it. But they <laughs> are confident that they can create a safe, intimate environment in which uh presenters whom they refer to as cast nominees and their plus ones Period, we'll gather together for an intimate show inside uh, in a very safe environment and a show that will celebrate those nominees, the life stories of the people who make the movies, and will celebrate the idea of a community. And for all of us, an optimistic look about our coming together once again in person to celebrate something. So there's a lot on the line. It's not just a show, it is really an attempt to say we can do this and do it safely and I think we're all fascinated to see how it's all going to happen.
0: Mm. Intimate and safe. It's like the words my therapist always uses for like a goal of what I want, <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Oh, that's a deep one. But maybe that's where Hollywood's going, and they should. Um, I know that Janae, you and Chris are going to be hosting the pre-show for ABC, which I would love, and you'll see it on ABC News Live. So what do you think we can expect? Like, what are your insights so far? So we are actually going to be at Union Station
3: rather than the Dolby Theater, which is where this annual Oscars pre-pre-show typically takes place. But we'll still be there on the red carpet and the pre-pre-show. So that means that we're going to be on from 1 to 4 Eastern. 10 to 1 Pacific. And then we're adding um, two hours right after that from 6 to 8 Eastern, 3 to 5 Pacific um, on our streaming channel, ABC News Live. So we will have Five hours of coverage leading right wow. up to the show. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be quite a day, so I'm trying to reserve all of my energy for <laughs> that day. Um, but I mean, it, we're going to have so much fun. It'll be Chris and I, and we'll be joined by Kelly and so many others on the red carpet as we are uh, doing a lot of what we're doing right now, breaking down what you can look forward to, the who's who in each of the categories, all that.
0: So can we can we all just break into the the categories? Should we start because we have best supporting actor, right? Yes, please. So there's uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. A lot of people really interested in that from the Trial of Chicago Seven. Leslie Odom Jr. One Night in Miami. Paul Racy Sound of Metal. Then you have Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield both for Judas and the Black Messiah. So what do we think? Underdogs, frontrunners. Who's leading?
4: Okay, I'm gonna go ahead. Daniel Kaluuya. (laughs) I'm going to piggyback off of that. and I'm going to absolutely say I think it's going to be Daniel Kaluuya. I think that that's what we've been seeing this entire award season. You can murder a
2: liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a
5: freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom.
2: That said,
4: Anything goes. I think that this is a category that kind of shocked a little bit because you have both Lakeith and Daniel in the same category. Mm -hmm. There's so many theories about how that happened. And one of them, I think, is that... um, the voters ultimately decided to move one of them to supporting actor nomination category as opposed to lead, as opposed to lead actor and so you have both of them going against each other. I don't think that that necessarily takes any votes away from Daniel so I really think that this is still his category.
0: I, I don't know if anybody else wants to jump in but to me when I think of who did the best job of taking me to that place, it was him.
1: I gotta say it's a remarkable performance from Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman.
0: Abby, do you know why you're on trial here?
2: We carried certain ideas across state lines. Not machine guns or drugs or little girls.
1: Ideas. I certainly grew up in New York watching and reading a lot of Abby Hoffman, and the idea that a guy from his background mm-hmm. could sound like Abby Hoffman is an amazing experience. But Daniel Kaluuya is just so vibrant, so exciting, so commanding in this movie. I don't
2: know how you can deny him. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're looking at other possibilities, I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a possibility, but also Paul Racy in The Sound of Metal.
0: I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to to this,
2: not this. I think a lot of people really warm to his performance. They love his story of this is a journeyman actor who's been in the business for 40 years and has gotten very little recognition. And uh, people like that story as well. But that all that said, Daniel Kahlia is going to win.
3: I I think that you guys bring up um, really good, um, important points about Paul Racy and Sasha Baron Cohen um, and Lakeith Stanfield, who I am also a big fan of. But Ginger, as you said, when you when you talk about the actor who really took you there, that is Daniel Kaluuya and that is him in almost everything he plays. I think that he is one of the best actors of our time right now. He is amazing in everything that he's in.
2: A lot of this has to do with timing. When you win an award, it has to do with timing. It's your time. And I think it's Daniel Kaluuya's time. But it's going to be Lakeith Stanfield's time. So if I, say I get you like some good information, uh, something nobody else knows, is it some kind of bonus or something? Well, I'm, I'm counting on it, Bill. Uh, he is so good in everything that he does. Um, for, uh, I mean, watch Atlanta, please, if you have not seen it. <laughs> so so yes. good. But he but he will he will be back and he will he'll be on that stage several times in the next couple of years, I have a feeling. I
4: totally agree with you, Jason.
0: Jason, you're saying it like it matters how many times you've been nominated. So if we're looking at best supporting actress, I don't I guess we don't need to talk about it. It's Glenn Close then. <laughs> <laughs> <That's-> <laughs>
2: <laughs> if it worked that way, yes, Glenn Close she, she should she should have won a long time ago. <laughs> okay. uh, but it, it's about it's about timing in the year, not only timing in your career, but timing in the year as well. So, uh, un, for whatever reason, Glenn Close just hasn't had that year. It's just it hasn't gone all the way through, and we thought it was going to be a couple of years ago, and then it just it just wasn't her time.
1: Glenn Close, but not quite. Yep. Oh goodness!
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is yeah, that's. It's hard, but okay, so let's let's see. how. Why is it not her year? Can we talk about who we like out of the nominees and who we think is the leader?
2: Well, I mean, again, if you're going to go with the who has won what so far, mm-hmm. again, the SAG Award winner is usually the best predictor because the SAG voting body is the biggest body voting for the Oscars. So if you're going to go with that, then Ya Jung Yoon from Minari, she would be the one who has, uh, I guess, front-runner status. I will.
0: Aigo, strong, strong boy, mm, strong boy.
2: Then you also go critics choice is usually that that can be a good predictor as well. In some of these categories, Maria Bakalova from the Borat sequel, she she won there.
0: No, I'm not doing it. Why not? Because I'm beautiful as I am and I don't need to be given as a gift to a man to be worth something.
2: Um, But then, you know. People really like Glenn Close, but the thing the thing with her in this performance and this year specifically is that movie has almost no buzz.
5: I'm
1: talking about a chance. You might not make it, but you sure as hell won't if you don't try. Why do
2: you even care what I do? I ain't gonna live forever. A lot of people really didn't like it. They thought it was gonna be awards contender, but then it came out. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, and and her performance, that role, it's just not getting the kind of buzz and momentum that you would need this year.
1: There there are ways you can win and not actually win. You know, uh, Amanda Seyfried may not win for this, but she did get nominated. And so we Mm -hmm. probably saw she has been named to replace Kate McKinnon in the Theranos movie. And not only as an actor, but as an executive producer. And when I look at that title, I think, I wonder if that has something to Mm. do with this Oscar nomination. So whether or not she wins, just getting in this category is really good for her career,
4: a step up
0: in a big way. That's a good point, to be in the room.
4: Yeah, to be in the room, to be invited to the table. I also will say that I just personally think whatever Olivia Colman, gets nominated for she just wins it feels like that is the rule <laughs> even though two years ago I was I was so convinced that that was going to be Glenn Close this year I thought that was a phenomenal role in a really great film and, and felt good about it so then when Olivia just kind of came in she even seemed surprised if you guys remember and to be to be in this category with these extraordinary women and Glenn Close I you've been my idol for so long and this is not how I I wanted it to be and I I think you're amazing I love you very much
1: no one who was there for that moment with Olivia Coleman and Glenn Close will ever forget it and no one who thinks about the Oscars going forward will ever forget it like you never know for sure until they open that envelope and the drama is great but yes I think I think Yoon is going to win here yeah
2: I mean, she's she's just this Mountain Dew drinking spitfire of a grandma, which is just <laughs> it's such a great role. And and she's another one like Paul Racy in the supporting actor category who has been acting for years. But in the American cinema, most people have never heard of her. Um, and so for her to pop in with such force at this stage mm-hmm. in her career, a lot of people like that story as well.
0: OK. In Best Actor, then. Can we talk about the different nominees Gary Oldman Mank. By the way, I should mention to all of you that Jason and I don't agree on anything. We went through what we liked and didn't. Whoa. Apparently, I know, like zero. Whoa, shots
1: fired.
2: Wow.
0: Never going to movies together. Wow. Or we will always. Oh,
2: that's what makes it fun. I like going to movies with people who I disagree with. That's the most fun.
0: I, and notice I said that right after I said Mank. We very much disagree on that one. Anthony Hopkins and The Father, uh, they were both previously one in that in Best Actor, Darkest Hour and Silence of the Lambs. So now they are kind of the, uh, the experience, the wise. They're older, right? <laughs> Than some of the other nominees. Does that matter?
4: I think in some cases it does. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of times we find that the Academy looks at body of work too, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, adds favor to Anthony Hopkins in that category. But also you have him going up against Chadwick Boseman. I just feel like Chadwick walks away with, with this win, though I've seen, you know, some of my entertainment journalists, contemporaries say that after talking with some, some voters anonymously, there is a narrative that that Chadwick does not win that it's a tighter race than some of us are even thinking that it would be
0: really now i know kelly you you found an interview like you had done one when black panther opened with chadwick uh, yeah. can you tell us about that interview because i know that was insightful for you
4: yeah you know that interview actually never ran we did the interview the day that the film opened and so you know, I, I think that we just thought maybe it was a little too late to kind of come out with this interview. But when you look back on it all these years later, um, you understand that Chadwick really understood representation and what that role and what that film was really doing to the film industry at large. This film is just breaking records left and right. How do you even begin to wrap your head around this moment right now?
5: Um I'm not surprised is not the word it's it's um, relieved I'm relieved and um, you know just very hopeful for you know the audience that that sees this movie Um, and and it's a varied audience it's not it's not just African-American it's not just African it's um, you know it's people throughout the world various different ages gender None of that matters. Across the board we've had people basically say that they love the movie mm-hmm. and that they they were touched by the movie. Yeah. And because I know I knew going into it that there was a great opportunity for storytelling here. Um, you know, something that would be cutting edge. I knew that from the comic book. Mm-hmm. And if if even before I got the role, if I knew if there was ever a Black Panther movie made, mm-hmm. it had the opportunity to do something really special in the world. Um, so to see that come into fruition and to see other people, you know, I'm not going to say unanimously because it's always going to be some people that are against you or opposing you or haters, um, you know, but, but even them. Even they can be turned around in the long run. Maybe they wait till they see it on HBO, <laughs> or, or they see it on demand, and they're like, you know, I feel dumb now. I missed out on this moment. Yes. You know, but uh, it is a moment. Yeah. And I and I, I appreciate, you know, just just being able to to you know enjoy it at the end of of, of all the hard work. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I guess I guess what I would
1: say is that when people talk about this category, they often presume that Chadwick Boseman will win this category. And I think sometimes they presume that he will win as a kind of lifetime achievement award, as a a thank you from the Academy for his amazingly influential work. I think his performance in this movie is worthy of an Oscar straight up you know he is not playing an iconic heroic figure like we've seen him in previous things he is a rebel Mm -hmm. he is challenging the status quo
5: just taking it all wrong (laughs) Ain't meant nothing by Levy. Levy got to be And you don't need nobody messing with him about the white
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear Kelly say that you've talked to other colleagues who, uh, you know, have have insider knowledge and say that this one, um, this category could end up being closer than we, um, than we think. So obviously, you know, it, it'll have the attention that it gets every year, maybe even more this year. But I do immediately have the sense that Chadwick Boseman would walk away with this one, and that's not only based on his performance, as Chris was pointing out, but also just how, how awards have shaped up so far this season anyway. So it will be interesting to see if that doesn't happen.
2: Yeah. Going by the numbers, you're going to look at Chadwick Boseman has won the SAG award. He's won the Critics' Choice Award. Um, The one major deviation I would see is Anthony Hopkins won the BAFTA award, um, which I think, you know, people could argue that that was deserved. And people could also argue that the BAFTAs are going to generally favor British actors, although that's not always the case. But I I think as far as who's won the big awards so far and who could continue and have that momentum, it's Chadwick's in the bag.
0: Okay. So anytime I feel like that when I speak to people, they say, oh, did you see Nomadland? She was great. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Frances McDormand was great. And then- but also Andra Day, I think so strong, United States versus Billie Holiday. And then you've got a lot of things to unpack here. But Vanessa Kirby, Carrie Mulligan, and Viola Davis, of course. To me, this is super packed. And I'm having a tough time with this one. So please help me. Yeah,
4: this is a stacked <laughs> category. It, it, I feel like any one of those women could could walk away the winner. And I wouldn't have an emotional reaction you know, ne- like a negative emotional reaction to to someone getting up on that stage because they all really did turn in great performances. I think that Andrew really kind of um, did something that we don't often see. You know, a first role really kind of come in and just kind of bulldoze through award season in the way that she's done, which has been great. But also Viola Davis shut it down for me in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I thought that out of every performance I've seen Viola in, and I've seen her in every performance, including stage.
5: (laughs) They don't care nothing about me. All they want
0: is my voice. Well, I done learned that. And they're going to treat me the way I want to be treated, no matter how much it hurt them.
4: This, to me, was such a transformative uh, role and moment for her. And I would love to see her get up on that stage and you know, also acknowledge the, the history-making moment that, that would happen.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think Kelly says it really well. I think this is a packed category, and I also think that any one person in this category could have won in previous years. Any one of these performances would have deserved an Oscar in some of the years that I remember covering. But let's look at it this way. This is one of those everybody wins categories. Okay. Andra Day, welcome to the movies, Andra Day. Enjoy the rest of your ride. We're glad to have you. (laughs) Vanessa Kirby, welcome to America. Welcome to this new audience that hasn't seen you before. Uh, Francis McDormand, you're leaving with an Oscar. Probably not this one but you're leading with an oscar because you were the producer of a, a best picture nominated movie. Carrie Mulligan returned to form, let's say. Not always the greatest reviews for some of her last movies, very much back in the conversation as a result of this, which leaves Viola Davis. Her best performance, I certainly agree with Kelly on that, and the best performance. I think she wins.
0: Jason, my son's starting to play t-ball, and they can tie a lot. Could we ever see a tie?
2: <laughs> yes, we can. And this is this is the category, I think, that if it's, you know, if it, if it was going to happen this year, it's very rare. Um, but this is the category where you've had the most uh, spread of all the previous awards so far, right? You have Viola Davis, who won the SAG. You had Frances McDormand, who won the BAFTA. Carey Mulligan won the Critics' Choice. Um, and Andrew Day won the Golden Globe. Uh, not that the Golden Globe matters in any of this stuff, because Golden Globes don't matter. But um, I think if you can have a tie, there's been there have been six in history, and the most recent was I believe 2013. It was in a sound category, and the reason you can have a tie. You can't have a tie for Best Picture. That's not going to happen with the preferential voting system. But the way they count the other categories, it's a straight-up count. So two people could have the same number. Now, it's increasingly rare in the past few years specifically because they've just upped the number of members in the Academy. So there's more than 9,000 people voting at this point. Mm -hmm. When you have that many people voting, the chance of a tie is just going to go down. Um, But there was a tie for Best Actress in this category. It happened in... 1969, it was Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Streisand.
4: The winners are Catherine Hepburn in Lion in the Winter and Barbara
0: Streisand.
2: And Barbara Streisand was actually there. Catherine Hepburn was not at the ceremony. So if there are two people and they win, they will both go up and they will both accept their awards.
0: Does it say both their names on each of the Oscar <laughs> statues? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you, by the way, you only tied. So... <laughs>
1: <laughs> And, and and Streisand had just been admitted to the Academy, so her vote—whether she voted for herself or, baby, if she voted for Catherine Hepburn—might have, in fact, decided the Oscar race that year.
3: Wait, Jason, did you say who you think is going to win?
2: Oh, who is going to win? You know, I—I I really, that's the toughest category. So, I'm—I'm I'm always going to. In a category like this, I'm going to defer to the SAG Award winner because usually that's the best predictor when it comes to the acting category. So that would be Viola Davis.
0: So so Jason, um, even though we disagree i have to agree with you on that one too i feel like we all just did it viola it is right yep (laughs) i Um, I don't
2: i don't like when we agree
0: i know right something's uncomfortable (laughs) well how about we do this i'm sure we'll disagree when we come back but we do have to get a little break in Um, (laughs) some history will be made as we just said likely be made but also in the best director category so let's talk about that and best picture right after this Okay, so let's do this. Let's move on to Best Director. All right, we have David Fincher, Mank, uh, two other nominations under his belt for Social Network and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And then everybody else uh, is pretty new, right? Biggest surprise, though, Danish director Thomas Vinterberg uh, for another round. There's also Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. And for the first time ever, two women directors nominated in the same year. So Emerald Fennell, Promising Young Woman, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. If either win, this would be just the second woman to win Best Director. Uh, That's, wow. Yeah, I think this
3: is one of those categories that has a lot of people um, celebrating a little bit more diversity and saying it's about time. 93 years and just five women ever nominated in this category. The first time in the Oscars' nearly 100-year history that two women are nominated. Uh, Zhao, the first Asian woman and first woman of color ever nominated for Best Director. Also, the most nominated woman in a single year in Oscar history for Best Adapted Screenplay, Editing, and as producer in the Best Picture category. And many would say the frontrunner in the Best Director race. She's already won the Golden Globes. She was the first Asian woman to win um, that award. Also won the top prize at the Director's Guild of America Awards. Um... And she actually said during an interview this this award season that she thinks winning would mean more to others than to her, that she just likes telling stories. And she certainly learned from some of the best of them. Spike Lee was one of her professors when she was a student at NYU's graduate film program. So, um, you know, to see her win, uh, if, if she does, would certainly be a reason to celebrate.
4: I feel like everything that Janae just said is dead on. You know, I, I think this is Chloe Zhao's category to win. You haven't heard much conversation about any of the other directors, you know, up up for this category, other than to acknowledge the fact that there are two women nominating this category. David Fincher obviously is someone that this industry loves and respects. But I, I really think that Chloe Zhao is who we're gonna see get up on that stage, and make an acceptance speech.
1: And we're looking at that category, and we're also seeing the people who aren't on it. Let's face it, you know, people like Regina King, and you, we wonder why she's not a or Shaka King, who's not in there also. And I'm telling you, this category is, they need a new director's category to go alongside this, or they need to expand this to 10. They've got 20 acting nominations. They've got I mean, as of next year, they'll have 25 movies nominated each year as movies, 10 for Best Picture, you know, five for International and Documentary and Animated. Five nominees for Best Director is always going to leave somebody out, somebody who deserves to be there. And I think the Academy needs to accommodate
2: for that in the future. Well, not only leave somebody out, I think, in this year, it's – I – I do not understand Thomas Vinterberg's nomination. I just, I absolutely don't, especially because of who got left off because of it, whether it's Regina King or it's Florian Zeller uh, for The Father, who I think did, if you're talking about directing and what the Mm -hmm. film looks like, and I think both of them did fantastic jobs. And for this year, where it could have been three women, it could have been a majority of women in the category, which has never happened before, this is the year that should have happened. And the fact that Thomas Vinterberg's (laughs) nomination robbed that I I will never forgive and I will never understand
1: <laughs> well, I think you could also say, though, that on the on the arc of the work he's done before is Mank of a level for David Fincher with something like The Social Network, which was a phenomenal and important movie. Vinderberg is making a movie like Clint Eastwood makes a movie. Vinderberg is finding Mats Mikkelsen's face and finding every emotion in the in the world in that face. And that's a long and established school of directing. I kind of like the tradition he's operating out of and the fact that he's in the mix here uh and it is a breakthrough film for him so i don't have i have less of a problem with him being here his movie also nominated for best international film
0: well i guess chris and i can go to movies together um, so... <laughs>
1: I, you know I, 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 i'm gonna point out i don't talk during the movie okay
0: okay okay we'll wait till after so let's talk about it the one that we will all stay up late for best picture eight movies in the running we've got mank uh black and white of course uh and I was also, I was really surprised, whether I liked it or not, that it has the most nominations of any film this year. Ten nominations. Wow. Yes. Um, and let's <laughs> just leave it at that. And the
1: reason why is all that money you saw on the screen. The reason why is that it did really well in the craft categories, you know, okay. and we might see it win a few of those as well.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, of course, Trial of the Chicago 7, Sound of Metal, The Father, Minari, Promising Young Woman, and Nomad Land. So... Everybody pick.
2: Well, I think that n- Nomadland is. If you're looking at a front runner, it's 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 that. Just given everything that it's won so far, especially the Producers Guild Award, which, like we've discussed, has uses the preferential voting system that the Oscars uses. It is the best predictor of what might win Best Picture at the Oscars. Eight of the last ten years, um, and even more than that, it also won the Critics Choice Award. It won the BAFTA. It won the Golden Globe. Golden Globe doesn't matter again, but it did win that. So if you're looking for a absolute front runner for your Oscar pool, then it's going to be that.
4: I can't really be a prognosticator in this category in the way that I normally am comfortable being one because mine is purely emotional. And because of that, it is Judas and the Black Messiah. I've been saying that since before the nominations came down to me that that is the best film. That's the film that I most enjoyed this season. But I also am acknowledging that I just felt such an emotional connective tissue with this film. But I think that's also the magic of movies. You know what I mean? And I think that also is something that you have to factor in that voters are going to be thinking about too. A film that they just connected with. To me, that film hands down is Judas and the Black Messiah.
3: And Kelly, I thought I was going to be the one to have to stray from what everyone else was saying. But I (laughs) I too am going to go with Judas and the Black Messiah. And again, like you're pointing out, it was that connection to the movie. I was watching that completely captained Like, Daniel Kaluuya um, was Fred Hampton taking me into these scenes and into that time. Um, So that's what I'm going to go with, too. Whether or not it would actually win, but that's what I'm putting my
0: money on. So if Chris... If I can go and just ask you, in Nomadland, if they win, say, in the thank yous, I hear we're going to potentially hear about a Michael Wolf snyder Can you tell us about that?
1: Michael Wolf snyder was the production sound mixer on Nomadland. He'd worked with Chloe Zhao on her earlier film, The Rider, and sadly, he passed away earlier this year. And because she works with such a small and intimate crew, the work of the sound mixer, the the live sounds that he was able to get from people in vans and from these non-actors and just the sound of feet on gravel and, and the stillness of the, of the woods. We not only accept the tyranny of the dollar,
2: the tyranny of the marketplace, we embrace it.
0: Uh, we're I have to agree. Told. I just came back from Nevada doing a story for Earth Day, but I, I kept saying it feels like Nomad Land because it is silent. And that silence was so powerful. So I'm sure we will hear more about him. But if I can bring up Kelly, I know we already talked about Regina King not being nominated for Best Director for One Eye in Miami, which a lot of people were surprised by. But we do have two black female directors uh, up for awards in documentary categories.
4: Yeah, and and should one of them <laughs> win, especially Garrett Bradley, who is up for her really excellent documentary, "Time: um, An Exploration of a Woman Who Is You Know Actively Working to Get Her Incarcerated f- Husband Free." Um, It will be the first time that uh, a Black female director wins an Oscar, and that will be significant. And, you know, like I said, right now, she is definitely the front runner in that category. And I think we're going to see a lot of really great things from her, so much so we probably are going to hear her name in this conversation some years from now. And that feels really good, I think.
0: And I have to say, so after I spoke with Pippa for My Octopus Teacher, who is the other uh, doc, you know, nominee, I... I had such a connection to her because that was a film that I, that I got fully on board with just because I was like cheering for the joy of science. Yeah. <laughs> I was so touched by it, and I'm so glad that she's in there too.
1: Oh, and you're right in how powerful these documentaries are. And Janae was talking mm-hmm. about what will be like on the red carpet. And what I've found over the years is one of the most powerful things on the red carpet is to see the subject of these documentaries that you've watched arrive yes. at an awards show. It's like you've so gotten into their lives and you have so tapped into their lives, like in Octopus Teacher, like in Time, and then there they are, the subjects mm-hmm. in real life. And it, your heart feels like it's going to come out of its chest. It's just really something special. And I hope we see that on Sunday.
0: Now, Janae, if we can talk there's some history that could also be made in makeup and hairstyling. It is not your hairstyle, which I'm sure you have not <laughs> planned yet.
3: <laughs> but nope.
0: what what is that?
3: It would be, it, it's a first for two black women in the category, Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson, Mia Neal, um, the hair department head, Jamika Wilson, um, also a hairstylist, um, along with Sergio Lopez Rivera, um, They helped transform Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. They swept the Makeup Artists and Hair stylist Guild Mm -hmm. Awards, um, took home that top honor um, in this category. So we'll see. But a little bit of history made
0: already. We talked about Glenn Close being so close, but Diane Warren might be the true Susan Lucci of the Oscars because she's (laughs) nominated again.
2: Yes, and she is the most nominated woman without ever winning. Twelve nominations so far for best song, and she she's the nicest person. And whenever you talk to her, she's so she's just happy to be there. She loves you know she loves the recognition, um, <laughs> but she also wants to win. And this year, she's up for the song uh, "IOC Scene" from the Life Ahead. Come Oscar time, she's at every event because she wants to get out there. She wants to do the campaigning. She's on every red carpet. And I talked to her, I think it was three years ago, when it was her ninth nomination. And I asked her if it was important for her to win.
1: Yeah, I do get my hopes up. And But, you know, the only time really, okay, there was only two times in my life that I was bummed out. One was a long time ago with Because You Loved Me. But the one I was, like, to be honest, because I thought after Lady Gaga's performance, you know, with my song Till It Happens To You. It's like whoa, like yeah, that that hurt because everybody was saying you know one of my friends, the funny one of my friends is an actress, she put rehearsed my speech with me like I'm like don't do that like like who knows and she put it all over my house every mirror everywhere so I could and when I
0: came home that night after like not winning it was everywhere in my house.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because she is the woman with the most nominations who's never won right she has 12 but there are people who have a lot more than her the person with the most nominations is Greg P Russell who has 16 he's a sound engineer and he has never won he's uh, he has uh i think going back to um the last one was for 13 hours in 2017 which interestingly enough He had his name taken off of that nomination because he illegally campaigned that year. He called people in the sound departments and said, hey, by the way, I'm up for this thing. Maybe you want to consider voting for me. And uh, that's a clear violation of the rules. So he got his name taken off of that nomination. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I always thought it should be like election day every other yeah. place. Like I should be getting nothing but robocalls for production design, <laughs> Text and there messages. should be—that's <laughs> right—and there should be leafleting as I leave the house. And I want negative campaigning. You know, what is this filmmaker trying to hide?
2: Right,
4: And then it could be like, I'm Viola Davis and I approve this message. Exactly. Like that would be kind of cool, actually. Exactly.
1: This sound person wrong for the Oscars, wrong for our industry. You know, so someday
0: that's good. Well, gosh, I guess I have I have enjoyed this so much and I'm kind of sad that I only have one more time with all of you. But do you want to leave us with any final thoughts before we get to that big show Sunday?
4: You know, my favorite Oscar moment actually is one that very few people actually saw. So normally during the telecast, I hang out in this uh, bar area where most of the nominees and kind of famous folks and fancy folks gather when their categories aren't being up. And always there was John Singleton, late great director, um, who was nominated, of course, for Boys in the Hood. And 2019 was a special year because that was the year that we saw probably that last kind of you know, kind of run of diverse winners, you know, getting up to accept awards. And Ruth Carter won that night. Uh, Regina King won that night. Uh, She obviously was in Boys in the Hood. And Peter Ramsey won that night. And at one point, John, like, screamed, basically clicked his heels in the air and said, all of my expletive friends are winning Oscars tonight. I love seeing just the pureness and the joy in him in real time, but also because there is some progress being made. In this industry. And it's important to note it while we kind of are cautiously optimistic, it is important to celebrate the gains that we're seeing in 2021. And um, hopefully we'll be, you know, continuing to have these conversations about more and more and more and more happening down the line. Well, here's what I'd say. In 2018, when Frances McDormand won Best
1: Actress, she stood up there. You remember the words inclusion writer. But here's what she did. She asked all the women in the audience to stand up. And she said, we all have stories to tell and projects we need financed.
4: Don't talk to us about it at the parties tonight. Con- invite us into your office in a couple days, or you can come to ours, whichever suits you best, and we'll tell you all about them. I have two words to leave with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, inclusion. Rider.
1: she had one of those projects. She had met Chloe Zhao two days earlier. She had bought the rights to Nomadland, and so what we may see at the Oscars on Sunday is a payoff from the Oscars in 2018.
3: Wow, and
4: that's hard to top. It really <laughs> is. Damn. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, once once again, Conley,
0: <laughs> right? yeah. it's like you've done this before. Thank you all so much. Have fun on the red carpet. I am envious. Enjoy every moment. Um, wear good shoes, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for doing this.
3: Thanks.
2: You're welcome. Thank you, Ginger. Thank
0: you. And there you have it, folks. You are officially ready to watch the Oscars. Now, before the big night, you can check out Oscar.com for all the latest news on the show. But you can also print out an Oscars ballot All for yourself. Do a little homework. You can make your own predictions. Keep track of all the winners while you watch. If you missed any of our earlier episodes, that might help too. You can check those out before Sunday. And be sure to tune in Sunday for ABC's three-hour pre-show, Janae's going to be on those feet for a long time. Chris, you too. Oscars Countdown Live starts at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, and then continuing on ABC News Live. That's our streaming channel. And of course, the 93rd Oscars begins at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, Sunday night. I cannot wait to watch. I'll be there right along with you. And then we're going to be back Monday because we got a final episode of this podcast. We have to recap all the big moments, live it all again, or give you a recap in case you didn't stay up late. Until then, really hope that you enjoyed listening, because we enjoyed having you and, of course, making this podcast. If you have, please do show us some love. There's a five-star rating. That would be like my Oscar, or at least a nomination, if you could just put a five stars there. And then a little note in the reviews. It really does help us. Thank you so much for coming along on this ride, learning with us, and loving the Oscars. Good luck to all the nominees this Sunday. Inside the Oscars is a production of ABC Audio, produced by Matt Wolfe. Our executive producer, Liz Alessi. Special thanks to Josh Cohan, Trevor Hastings, John Green, Taryn Hartman, Beth Mullen, Carrie Strasberg, Elizabeth Russo, Hale Areno-Thiel, and Stacia Deshishko. And a big shout out to ABC's entertainment booking team, Cleo Andriatis, Monica Escobedo, and Eric Jones. Our legal and standards partners, always keeping us right, Ian Rosenberg and Kimberly Brown. And thank you to the Academy. Ha, never thought I'd get to say that. I'm Ginger Z, and I'll see you next time.